This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We have been in a series. I'm just going to jump right in. We have a 915 service. If you aren't aware of that, we have a 915 service. And um, we just came off of that. We have some really good stuff to talk about today. But if you know me, I can, I can kind of storytell a little bit. So to a lot time for the awesome content, I'm just going to jump right in. So um, just be prepared. Buckle up. We're going we're gonna to take a little journey this morning, okay? So um, to set the stage for you, we're in a series called This Is How We Do It, which is why we pulled the best song of all time, right? No? I, I'll, anybody know the rap part to that song? Once upon a time not long ago, Montel made a money and Elisha was... No? <laughs> Y'all ain't real fans. Okay. So, so uh, th- this is how we do it. That's our packaging uh, for our core beliefs that we want to give to you. There's a uh, substance behind every single one of these. So if you've been here the past two weeks, we actually jumped in. There's four parts to this. Um, we recognize and we see that God is doing something special at Central Church. If you've been going here for any amount of time, we hope that you're uh, what I call in our, in our staff prayer time, I call them spiritual antennas. But if your spiritual antennas are on and they're, they're tuned in, then you uh, obviously can tell that God is doing something exciting at Central Church. And so there's a lot of growth, a lot of movement. Um, we have some, some interns working, uh, learning how to do different parts of ministry. And we're really operating in a way where I believe it's, it's biblical model for ministry. We're training young leaders. We're releasing young leaders. We're doing some cool stuff. And so we wanted to um, obviously put that um, in a harness, right, because a lot of energy is good. But if it's just scattered, then it's scary if you put a harness on it and direct it. Now it's momentum, right? And so this is our four-part series for how we're directing the momentum and what God is doing at Central, okay? So our first week was know God, okay? Know God is, is pretty simple. We believe that um, once you meet God, once you meet Jesus, and you don't just have head knowledge about him because a lot of Christians have plenty of head knowledge, and a lot of them might have an experience or two, but once those two things uh, uh, cross-pollinate and start to work together and your head and your heart are in tune with Jesus and now you're in regular interaction with him, that'll change your life forever. That's what we call knowing God. And we believe that once you know God and, and you've come to know God, your life will never be the same, right? And then uh, part two, we talked about finding freedom. Once you come to know God, we all have a past, right? We've talked uh, multiple times about this guy named Saul who... Uh, his other alias is the Apostle Paul. He had a crazy past, right? And then he came to know God, and then he found freedom in that. And we believe that you find freedom in community, okay? You find freedom in community. Um, I've heard one pastor say this. His name's Chris Hodges. He said, you're only as strong as your darkest secret. That means that you, you'll never reach your full potential if you have things that are unchecked and things that are still skeletons that are still in the closet. And so we believe that once you uh, get into community, you begin to find freedom by living life and trusting other people 
to help walk with you through some of these things, right? And so that's find freedom. If you haven't already gotten to a community group or you're not plugging in, we invite you wholeheartedly to do that. We had Mikey talk uh, last week about some of the groups that he's in and how it's changed his whole uh, uh, faith experience, his church-going experience, and, and how it's really made a difference for him. So that's uh, finding freedom, get into community, amen? So today, what I'm talking to you about is discovering your purpose. This is my TED Talk. This is my, my one, right? You only get one shot, do not miss your chance to blow. Y'all are Detroiters, what are you doing? Golly! I'm from Orlando. I'm about to start singing some Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys will get that more, right? I'm not going to say hot dog, hot dog, hot. Okay. <laughs> but you don't know 8 Mile. Okay. You guys are posers. So today what we're talking about is purpose. Everybody say purpose. 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 This is a big word. It's actually a very special word. You want to know why? Because this is the name of Justin Bieber's best album. If you didn't know that, go, look, she said, mm, don't hate on Biebs, okay? I'm a, <laughs> last night we were talking and, and we were listening to um, um, a Justin Bieber song, and just don't ask why. And, um, and Car uh, Carmen looked at me and she goes, if Justin Bieber ever came to town, I would totally get you tickets. You would love to go. She's like, you'd be the only grown man there. But you would love to go. And I said, I would love to go. She goes, you're totally a believer. And without interjection, I was like, I am a believer. I love Beebs, man. Beebs was like 90% of our, our wedding reception playlist, all right? Baby, baby, baby. Okay. So that's how I'm feeling this morning. That's the vibe. So purpose is a big word. What does purpose mean? We all have like an internal definition to what purpose means. Let me tell you what the, defi uh, the dictionary definition of purpose is. Purpose is the reason for which something is done. So why you do what you do, why you get out of bed every morning, why you work a job, why you do whatever, what is your purpose for that? It's the reason that you do something, for why something is done. Or, secondary definition, this is the part I like, um, purpose is the reason why something exists. The reason why something exists. So when, when we tell you that you have a purpose, that means that there is a specific reason that you exist. Pause. Just let that sink in for two seconds. Some of us wrestle with anxiety. Some of us wrestle with doubt, questions, all that stuff. I want you, one thing I want you to take away right off top right now is this. You were created on purpose by a loving God and there is a reason that you are here. There is a reason that you are on this earth. Okay? There you go. So, I pulled a couple quotes. Just to, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a quote guy. Uh, I was talking with somebody the other day. I was talking with uh, Q the other day. And um, we were talking about, like, all the, the English literature books that we read and all that stuff. And Sam is like, you guys are nerds, bro. Like, we were talking about uh, Of Mice and Men, A Farewell to Arms, Great Gatsby, uh, all those kind of books, right? And uh, I'll be honest, I never read them when I had to in school. I spark notes that boy, right? Um, but then when I got out of school, amen, and when I got out of school, though, I actually went back and read them, and I understand why they're American classics now. They're, they're good books. So, um, 
uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a words guy, right? And so the first thing I did when I started talking about purpose is, is what are some thoughts that can start getting us familiar with, with the direction we're going today talking about purpose? So I pulled two quotes just to start us off. I want to share them with you. Um, this is Thomas Merton. He's a Trappist monk. Uh, if you don't know what that means, it's not a monk that listens to trap music. Do you know what trap music is? It's like T.I. It's not a monk that listens to, to, to ghetto rap, or, or not ghetto rap, <laughs> hardcore rap, okay? <laughs> I love rap. I'm a rapper. It's not, okay, okay. Guys, pick your words. This is Thomas Martin, the Trappist monk. A Trappist monk is somebody who, uh, a monk that is devoted to silence. Because, as you can tell, your words can get you into trouble, right? Um, because they believe that every time you talk, you're uh, exerting your will over God's will. So they, they, they don't take a vow of silence, but they prefer silence to noise because they believe that uh, silence is a better way for God to, to have his way and us to not flex ours too much. But he kind of went against that for this quote. He talked. And so um, this is what he said about purpose. He said, if you want to identify me, Ask me, not where I live, what I like to eat, or how I comb my hair, but ask me what I'm living for in detail. Ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. You, wanna, you really want to know me. You, want, you really want to know what I think my purpose is. Let's get past all, the, all the, the cutesy stuff. Let's get past all the preliminary, hey, how's your day? Okay, great, boop, right? Let's get past that. If you really want to know what I find my purpose, my identity, and what drives me, ask me the, the real stuff. As Nacho Libre would say, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. You like, yeah. Chancho. <laughs> so, it's like, Listen. Ask me what I'm living for. That is a deep question. If I ask you today, you don't have to respond, but if I looked you in the face and said, what are you living for, what would you answer? And then he says, listen, in detail, don't just stop there. Push me. Force the issue a little bit. Ask me in detail what I'm living for, right? And then he says, and if I'm not living for that, ask me what it is that's keeping me from living for that thing. You really want to know where my purpose is, ask me what I think I'm living for and what's so important that I'm not living for it. Second quote I got for you is the American author, the famed American author, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said this about purpose. He said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. When I was growing up, I was like 17, 16, 17, um, I loved my parents. I love, I love my parents. And by God's grace, God is doing some, some cool stuff for my parents right now. Prayers that I've been praying for years are starting to become realities for my parents, and I'm so thankful for that. But in my, my teenage years, I had this example set by my dad in particular. My dad had this reputation in the family of never being happy with anything. My dad was the guy that would go to the car dealership, and he'd get the really nice car, and then he'd drive it for like two months and find something wrong with it, and then he'd turn it in and get the newer car, and he'd drive it for two or three months and, and get tired of it, and he'd turn it in and get a motorcycle. Then he didn't like that motorcycle, he'd turn that in and get another motorcycle. And he was always looking for a material thing to make him happy. And I remember, I'm not, no joke, I asked him one day, I said, Dad, why, like, why, do, you, why do you do what you do? Like, what, do you, what is this? I forgot how I worded it, it's probably really disrespectful. And um, he said, hey, I'm just trying to be happy. No joke. Say, I'm just trying to be happy. He said, that's what everybody's trying to do. Everybody's just trying to be happy. 
You work a job that you have to work to get the things that you want to get so you can be happy. And I, I knew even at, at, at a younger age, there's, there's got to be way more than this. Because here's the thing, happiness is based on your current situation. Happiness is not a, a, a constant thing. Happiness is this, right? And we need something that gives us this, right? Stability. And so here's what Ralph Waldo Emerson says. He says, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate. Check this out. To have it make some difference. That you've lived and lived well. The purpose of life is not to chase down these feelings of happiness. Those are fleeting, right? Those, those uh, uh, as scripture would say, those, those vanish. Those are vapors that are here and they're gone. And what is life when you, when you pursue these things, right? There's all these philosophical questions through scripture that pertain to happiness and joy and feelings. And here's the thing, that's not what we want to argue today that, that life is about and your life is about. That's not what purpose is. Regardless of what you do for a living or what you find yourself taking part in most often, you might feel like, I've talked to people before and people are like, man, you know, you, you do this and you do that and, you know, you, you have these things that you're good at. I wish I had something I was good at. I wish there was something that I could just do, and right? And, and I hear people say this all the time. Here, here's what I want to share with you before we jump into the, the second half of this. The, the first thing I want to share with you from Scripture is this. 1 Peter 4.10, it'll be up here, look at it. It says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So take this in for a second. This is Scripture. It's not me telling you, I promise, there's something you're good at, just figure it out, try, try knitting, try crocheting, I don't, you'll stumble on There's something that God has determined himself to create inside of you. God, from, I love this, because his variety of spiritual gifts, they're, they're not monetary, they may not be material things, they're spiritual gifts, but there's things that God has chosen to build inside of you, okay, follow me here, so that means that God, it's kind of like, uh, I remember watching Nickelodeon as a kid, and um, I'd be watching like Rocco's Modern Life or something, whatever, and it would cut to these commercials, Legends of the Hidden Temple was the stuff, and um, it would cut to a commercial, and it was like, hey, we're here at Toys R Us, and we got little Johnny here who won this sweepstakes. We're going to give Johnny 10 minutes to take this cart through Toys R Us, and anything he fits in the cart, he gets to keep. You guys remember anything like this? So, the, the, I mean, they would fast forward it, you know, because it's a commercial, but for the next 10 minutes, uh, little Johnny would be, like, smoking through the, not smoking, but, you know, smoking, through uh, Toys R Us, and anything he could grab off the shelf, he'd throw in the cart. And you could tell the kids who had a plan, because they'd grab a bunch of really expensive small things. The kid that didn't have a plan, he'd be like, I'm going to fit this whole Coke cart in the cart, right? Like, you, these kids had a plan. I picture it kind of like that. God is walking through, and he's like, okay, I got Tony here. I got Kyle here, right? I'm, I'm walking through, I'm building them, I'm making them who they are. Let me see what gift is going to best fit them, suit them. I'm building you, I'm tailor-making this. This is a creation thing. So God is walking through, and through his variety of spiritual gifts, he's plucking and preparing you. 
Okay, that's the first part. Now check this out. A lot of people are like, man, yeah, man, I'm, I'm God gifted. You know, this is God's gifted. This is, you know, I'm just doing what God made me to do. Here's, pause though. There's, there's a B side to this. Here's the thing. God didn't just give you this gift so you can be the cool guy, right? Or cool girl. The second half of this says this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Here we go. Use them well to serve one another. That, uh, hold on. God has given each pastor a gift to use to, no. Uh, God has given each volunteer a gift to, no, volunteer. God has given each Oh, each of you, every single believer in Jesus, he's given you a spiritual gift to use to serve others. There are certain terms and conditions that you agreed to when you got into this Christian thing, and that's one of them. Read the fine print, baby. You have a spiritual gift that God has put inside of you to use to serve others. Some of us may not be aware of what that is. We may not have tapped into that yet, but I promise you it's inside of you. I was preparing this message, and it made me think of the movie Hook. Have you guys ever seen Hook? Yeah? Okay, better response than first service. We had like two people, right? And it was like a horror movie that wasn't actually Hook. All right, and so uh, Hook, Dustin Hoffman is Captain Hook, right? And then uh, uh, Robin Williams is Peter Pan, yeah? It sounds great. And then, and then Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell. Okay, so <laughs> Star Studded Cast is awesome, right? And it's got like two or three of those kids that were like also in Heavyweights and Mighty Dogs and Angels in the Outfit. Like they had the same cast for every movie back then. Those kids, and so Star Studded Cast, here's, here's kind of what's happening. I was thinking about this, this idea of what's inside of us and how it's there, but we don't know it. And it made me think of this movie because here's the premise of the movie. Peter Pan did the ultimate no-no for a lost boy. He grew up. Got a family, got a job, entered corporate America, right? And, and the whole movie is about this. Peter Pan uh, goes on a family vacation, and Captain Hook comes, takes his kids. It's terrifying. Takes his kids, and he's trying to coax Peter Pan into one final showdown. And so now Peter Pan, who doesn't know he's Peter Pan, has to go back to Neverland and try his purpose, if you will, is to try to save his kids and liberate Neverland and the Lost Boys from the tyranny of Captain Hook. It's, it's, it's sweet. And so there's this part of the movie, here's what it made me think of. There's part of the movie where he, Peter is a lawyer now in real life. He's a lawyer and he's got his uh, vest on and his dress shirt on and his slacks on. And he's walking around and he's in the Lost Boys like hideout spot, right? I don't know if you guys remember this. And they're all going by on skateboards and they're all hitting them with things and doing Lost Boys stuff. You know, they're being punks, right? And so... Uh, Peter finally falls down to his knees, and he looks up, and they're all looking at him like they're just getting ready to go in on him, right? They're like, all right? And this little boy, one of the lost boys, walks up and takes his glasses off his face, and he's going doing this. He's moving his hair, and he goes like this, ready? He goes, oh, it is you, Peter. There you are. And right there, all, the, all it took was him going, there you are, Peter. And all of a sudden, all the other Lost Boys are like, 
Yo, that is Peter Pan. Oh, my gosh. How do we not say that's Peter Pan? And they all are like, yeah, Peter Pan, right? They all start, like, flash dancing and all, you know, it's crazy. And, and the next part of the movie, check this out, is once he realizes what is in there, once he realizes, ready, who he really is, now the next part is him embracing those things that are inside of him, and now he starts learning those abilities that he has, relearning what he's supposed to do, and ultimately what his purpose is in going back after Captain Hook and doing all these things. And it made me think of this, ready? Each one of us has that stuff inside, that magic, if you will. And through life, through all these different things, we just kind of get accustomed to, to, to coming to church, to sitting here, to doing the coffee, doing the donuts, parking, the, doing all these different things that we get accustomed to that we kind of forget that we all have a little bit of that magic created and put right up inside of us for us to do something with. And all it takes sometimes is, 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 is a little nudge to go, oh, that, that's, that's who you are. Wait, 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 wait. That's what you have inside of you. God is waiting for us to embrace those things that are already there in order for us to start pursuing the purpose that he has for us. Right? So check this out. I know what some of you guys may already be thinking. When I used to go to church, I went to a church that had uh, predominantly, uh, uh, I want to say this nicely, predominantly um, wiser <laughs> Uh, more mature um, OG veteran Christians, and so when um, and so when I when like you know I started coming to church like nineteen and you know helping with the youth group and kids church and all that stuff and every it was like it was like people were hitting on me like I'd walk in and they'd be like oh hey uh, you gonna start greeting over here you gonna start doing and I was like well, hey whoa I felt like a candidate on a dating show it was like. It was like Christian uh, 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 Bachelor. It was like, man, like, yo, you got some gifts to offer, man. Why don't you get plugged in here, 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 And it started to feel, over, started to feel overwhelming. So I, I came up with a lot of really good excuses. I don't know if you guys could tell. I could kind of be a little slick, and I have a little bit of a class clown background. And so I would think of some really sweet excuses. Here's the thing. Before you do that, I want to show you the implications of, of walking away from your purpose. So real quick, let me show you this. This is the crux of what I have for you today. Go ahead and throw it up there, uh, the verse, Exodus 3, 11 through 12. So if you guys know the story of Moses, we talked about this a couple times recently, uh, going through in transit, our in transit series, we talked about Moses, and uh, uh, recently Sam talked about Moses and the story of uh, being brought into the Pharaoh's household and all that. So you are acquainted with that a little bit, but essentially Moses was a Hebrew. The Pharaoh wanted to off the Hebrews. So he let the women chill, but he was trying to take all the Hebrew boys and toss them in the river, you know, fish food, gator food, get rid of them. And so that way we just ended the lineage of, of the, the, the Israelites, right? But Moses' mom is, is clever. She put him in a basket, sent him down the river. He gets adopted into the Pharaoh's household. And in a stunning turn of events, this Hebrew boy that was meant for death becomes a prince of Egypt until, da 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 da, Moses kills somebody. Ooh. And he flees. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? He runs away to the desert, to the wilderness. For 40 years, he's there, gone. And one day, he encounters God. 
Remember that encounter we're talking about? He encounters God speaking to him from the burning bush, right? And so God, this is where we come into the scripture. God goes to him and he says, hey, listen, here's, here's my purpose for you. Here's my plan for you. Ready? I need to liberate my people from the rule of Egypt. And I'm ready to do it, and I want to do it through you. And Moses goes, no. No, no, I don't think you heard me, Moses. Mo. <laughs> I want to free my people. I need you to talk to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. No. This interaction happens, and, and, it, and it looks crazy because it's a really huge story, and there's, there's plagues, and there's fire from heaven, and there's the parting of, that, uh, of the Red Sea and all that stuff. But, but I think we can draw some similarities to how we are actually, too, with the things God has called us to do. I have four excuses that I want to address Four excuses that Moses used that I think we do too. Uh, I, I have the first one in this verse. If you want to read up on all of them and study them, it's uh, Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. But here's what it says, ready? Moses said to God, God is like, hey, go do this, right? And Moses is like, hey, hold on. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I to, to, to approach Pharaoh? The bright and morning star, the, the God of e Who am I to talk to him and tell him what to do? Who am I to do this? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. If you want to see the rest of the exchange, it's chapter 3, chapter 4. Here's the four excuses that Moses proceeds to use against God when God says, hey, Moses, you have things inside of you that I want to use, that I put there for such a time as this, and now is the time to move. And Moses goes, but, but, hold up. Excuse number one. Who am I? Go ahead and throw that up there. Who am, who am I? Me? This is insecurity. Who, I don't think you get it, though. Like, who am I? To serve. Who, there is far better, there's people that know how to, how to run slides and a soundboard way better than me. There's people that know how to smile and hold the door way better. I'm not even friendly. I don't even like people. That's why I sit all the way over there. I don't like people. Who am I to do this? Who am I to be in kids' church? I don't have no kids. Who am I to deal with teenagers? Teenagers are ratchet. They're gut. Who am I to do? I'm not the, I'm not the one insecurity, insecurity, if we catch ourselves doing this, but I'm not, I'm not the one, I'm, there's somebody better, for, the insecurity is what is really behind that, and here's how we address insecurity, you have to view yourself through God's lens instead of through your insecurity, who does God say you are, what does God say you're capable of, amen, number two, second excuse is this, but what if they, dot, dot, dot. Moses goes on as they interact, and he goes, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. Here's, what I, here's what's going to happen. He's walking them through the game plan, and Moses goes, okay, hold on, hold on, slow down, slow down. What if they do this, God? Like, what if, I, what if I go to the Pharaoh, and what if he, like, does, and fill in the blank? What if he, fear. Here's how it looks for us. I could serve 
maybe invite my friends or family to church or I could, but what if they make fun of me? What if they, I could pray for my dinner at Applebee's. But they got good appetizers, let's be honest, right? I could pray for Applebee's. I could pray in public. But what if, pe- what if people see me acknowledging God in public? I, 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 I could try to encourage somebody with the scriptures. But what if, they, what if they snap at me? What if they judge me? What if they? Fear. Fear. Here's my my little note for fear. Some of us are missing out on what God has for us because we are too afraid of what others think of us. God clearly, it's clear all over scripture is what we're getting at. God has something for you. Look at me. God has something for you. Be rest assured in that. There's one thing you take away from this is that there's, there's something that God is calling you to. Here's the thing. We can pursue that or we can, we can be more concerned with what God is calling us to do or we can be more concerned with what people are going to say once we start doing it. Fear. Number three. Moses Starts talking, God's like, hey, okay, okay, we move past those, we move past those. Listen, I really need you to do this, Moses. And, and he goes, but I've never done anything like that. I've never led a middle school small group. I've, I've never packed lunches and went and done like an outreach with AWOL. I've never, I've never done any of this stuff. If you don't know, AWOL, AWOL's all worthy of love. It's our outreach to um, trafficked women in Detroit. I, I I've never done nothing. I've not, I'm ill-prepared. I'm, I'm, it's inadequacy is what's speaking to you there. That's the excuse there. I've never done anything like this. I'm, I'm not ready to do that. I'm, why would God ever call me to do that? Because I'm not, that's not who I am. I'm, I hear this one. I'm introverted. God, w- I, don't, I can't do that. God will call you to do that because here's the thing God has actually known in scripture for asking people to do things that they're uncomfortable with or that they've never done because it requires them to remain tied to him in faith God will at, look at me God will ask you to do something that's uncomfortable for you because God realizes that it takes full dependence on him to make it happen and that's the place that he wants you to be in God wants you leaning on him. God wants you dependent on him. So if he asks you to do something that's scary and you know that you know that you know that's the way you're supposed to go, God will regularly ask people to do that because it will heighten their faith. It will make their spider senses tingle, if you will. It will make them realize, I can't do this without a little bit of help. And if it makes you draw closer to him to get it done, then he'll keep having you draw closer to him to get it done, and he'll keep asking you to do those things that you've never done before. Number four, after, at, at the end of all this, Moses finally, he's like throwing all his cards on the table, excuse, 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 blah, 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 and he finally goes, okay, look, 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 uh, look, just use somebody else. Is there nobody else? Is there nobody in this whole desert? There's actually nobody. There's nobody else you can use to do this? I'm not the only one that can talk. Besides God, I, 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 I stutter. That's real. Moses does that. Mo- Moses stuttered. I wasn't making fun of him, but Moses is like, God, there's all these reasons why I can't be the one to do what you're asking me to do. There's, no, there's really nobody else, God, that could do this. 
Nobody. How many times do we, we, we I mean, we don't got to be honest out loud about it, be, but be honest in your own mind about it. How many times do we have that mentality about church? Hey, guys, we need people to sign up to do this or sign up to do that. Or we got this going on back there, that going on back there. Let's do this. Let's do that. Come on, get involved. Let's do it. Yeah. And then we all of a sudden think, should I do that? Nah, somebody else will do that. Should I? Should I volunteer? Nah, somebody else will do that. When me and Carmen first started going to, like, church together, she'd try to sign me up for everything. It was so annoying. Richard, we're going to do this this week, and then next week we're going to do this, and then next week we're going to spend $800 on candy for the Easter egg hunt, and we're going to, and I'd be like, Carmen, legit, I'd be like, hey, this church got like 250 people, let one of them do it. I'm just, you know, come on, like, slow down. Be real. We do this. Is there nobody else that can make this stuff happen? Like, I'm the only one that goes to Central Church, Really? I counted. There's eight, 85 people. That That's 84 other people other than me that can make this thing happen, right? Reluctance. The enemy will use possessions or problems, two things, possessions or problems to distract you from serving and going after your purpose. He'll use possessions or problems. When I ask people, hey, man, I ain't seen you in like five weeks. Where you been at? Two things they say, Ready? Oh, yeah, man, we got this, like, I'm not making fun of anybody. <laughs> I'm going to make a hypothetical situation. Yeah, we've just been out on the boat, man. You know, it's like optimum, like, boating, camping, chilling weather. You know what I mean? So we're taking, like, a little stroll. So block me out on planning center. I can't serve this week because possessions, possessions, possessions. I got this, I got that, I'm occupied, I'm distracted, I'm doing A, B, C, D, E, F, and G before I got to go to church. So I can't, man, I can't make that kind of commitment, because I don't want, I hear this too, I don't want to sign up and then have to tell, you know, and then have to cancel on you, so I'll just wait till I know I can sign up. Translation, I'm never going to sign up. And I just don't want the commitment. Or he'll use problems. I hear this one too. Hey, man, like, what? Yeah, listen. Just can't get my car to work, man. I can't, so I can't be there. Bro, I saw you on, like, Instagram. You hang out a lot. You got to eat, like, every night. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that to you, but let's, be, let's keep it 100. I know that you catch a bus or an Uber or something. If you catch a bus to the barcade, you catch a bus to church. Feel me? Like, you, we, got pro- we all got problems. We all got things. We all got reasons to hold us back if we let them. But the enemy will distract you with two things, possessions or problems. Because here's the thing. I heard it said like this. If he can't make, if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't deter you from serving by tainting your heart or your mentality, he'll just make you too busy to do it. We all got good excuses. But we got a better reason. So today, here's what I want to leave you with. What are the next steps? What do, what do we do? What if I'm still deliberating? Rich, how do I really go? How do I know that, like, I'm the one for the, How do I know that what you're saying really pertains to me? Because I, I may have tried to serve in church before, or maybe I felt this out before, and it just didn't work for me. Or Whatever skepticism you have, let me reassure you again after addressing some of these excuses that Moses used to not free an entire nation of people from slavery, 
addressing the excuses. Now let me, let me reassure you this, that you are called, and you don't have to be a preacher, a minister, evangelist, uh, uh, whatever. You don't got to be any of those things. Here's where the calling goes. Ready? Let me share it with you. First uh, Peter 2.9, and I'm done after this. Here's what it says. First Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. He's, he's addressing Peter's talking to other people who are kind of like, you know, on the fence. I don't know what I'm doing. On the fence about where they stand and what they're trying to do. All these, they, it's just, he says, but no, no, but that's not you, though. You, you're not like that. For you, check this out, you are a chosen people. Chosen people. You are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. If what I said earlier didn't reassure you enough, let me, let me just drive this home just for a couple more seconds. You, sometimes we come to church and we're like, but I'm not the pastor. I'm not the youth pastor. I'm not, listen, you think a youth pastor has authority? Talk to a mad parent. You got no authority, okay? Like you are. So I'm not that guy. I can't, I'm not, I, I don't have that authority to do that. I don't have that calling to do that. I don't have the same. This, this, this is pretty, you, you, there's no specification on here to who you is talking about. So the implication is that the you that it's talking about is you, believer in Christ, you reading this, you that is that, that, that you're determining what to go, where to go, what to do, where to serve, how to plug in, what, what's going to work for you, what's applicable to your life. You, here's who it applies to. You are a chosen people. That means God specifically picked you to be who you are, to like what you like, to desire what you desire, to have the passions you have. He hardwired you to be you because you were chosen with a purpose in mind. You know what that is? That's, that's going to the tool chest, needing a screwdriver, but only being able to choose from hammers. You ever try to hammer a screw? I have. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm ghetto. It don't work. I'll tell you. It don't work. You're going to cause all kinds of damage to the tool and to what you're trying to fix. There's a message there. When you are the tool for the job, you're the right vessel for God to flow through, and, and you're going, hey, whoa, 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 not me, not me, not now, not now. I can't do this. Here's why. I'm, 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 I'm fearful. I'm reluctant. I'm inadequate. I, there's all these things. I have all these reasons. Here's what we're doing. We got all of one kind of tool for 1,800 different kinds of jobs. You are chosen. You are created for whatever task it is. You are the screwdriver for the screw. You are the hammer for the nail. You're the Allen wrench for that weird hex screw thing that I don't know what it's called. Paul knows what I'm talking about. He's nodding. Yeah. You're the jumper cables for the car battery. You're the pump for the flat tire. Fill in the blank. You're that. We can take it to the realm that I really like, right? You're the fork and knife for the steak. You are a chosen people. But I don't have any kind of anything to differentiate me from any. Whoa, whoa, hold on. You are royal priests. Some, some translations say a royal priesthood. That means that God's people together, you have authority in a spiritual sense. Royal coming from God because he's a king. 
priesthood because you have spiritual significance about who you are and how you were created. You are a royal priesthood. Let that sink in. That means that nobody has to come to you and give you a white collar and a shirt to walk around and, and so you can just bless people and heal people. You have spiritual authority for this fact and this fact alone. You belong to God. It says you are his own possession. You're a royal priest. You have power in you that God put there. You're like Peter Pan. You just need a lost boy to come over and dishevel you a little bit, wake you up. You got stuff inside of you to use. But here's the thing. As a result, 2-9, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Why am I chosen? Why am I royal? Why do I have authority? Why am I, why am I made with these gifts and talents? Why do I need to identify my purpose? Because you can show others his goodness. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. That's the meaning. It's not happiness. It's not chasing those things. It's not material possessions. The purpose is to identify what inside of you God has put there to use and then use it. So your next steps are this. Practical. Ready? Okay, Rich, why does that matter? Who cares? I'll figure that out by myself. Here's why it matters. We believe it's twofold. Ready? God put those things inside of you to direct you to your purpose, but we also believe that God's design, just like he did with Moses and the Hebrews, God had a bigger picture that he wanted to see done, but Moses' purpose fit into God's plan. God has a bigger picture that he's trying to accomplish, and whatever your purpose is fits into that plan. So we believe that God's format for doing that here and now today is through the local church. We believe that you using your gifts and talents and abilities, all of us using those things in the context of the local church, will change this community, will vastly impact the people in this community. So your next steps are this, ready? Get involved, do something, know God, encounter God. Your step after that, find freedom, get in community, minister to each other, develop relationships, friendships, get that going. Then after you've found freedom from your past, and you can still be working through it, none of us are perfect, right? You heard me, I still listen to Bieber, that's secular music, you know? Then after that, do something. Don't just sit on it. Don't just be there. Don't just show up. Don't just go home. Don't just tweet about it. Be about it. Get involved. Join a serve team. Slank some coffee and donuts. That's a ministry. Believe me, that's a ministry. Hold the door. Give somebody a hug when they come in. Welcome to church, man. We're glad you're here because here you can know God and find freedom and discover your purpose just like I did. Whatever it is, you want to work with kids, teenagers. There's a plethora of things, and I never use the word plethora, so you know I mean it. There's a plethora of ways to get involved. Here's the, the thing. Just get involved. God uses action. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Amen? Let me pray for you. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.